Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. If you're ready for the word, put your hands together and say, I'm ready. Come on. I'm ready. Look at somebody and tell them, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Today is part five in our final message of our Match Made in Heaven series. And if you've missed any of the first four, you can check those out on our YouTube channel. But we've been looking at what the Bible says about marriage and sex and relationships and being single. And it's been a lot of fun. We've started out every sermon by reading 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to do that again today. So if you'll look to your Bibles with me or on the screens, 1 Corinthians 13, one last time for this message series, starting in verse four, we're going to read this together. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. If you're ready. All right, here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Okay, this is with your outside voices, if you forgot what those are. Okay, ready? Let's try it again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. I'm losing you. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes always perseveres. Love never fails. Look at somebody, look at somebody and tell them love never fails. God's love never fails. It never fails. Human love fails. Has anybody figured that one out? Human love fails. God's love never fails. God is love. God is perfect. He is love. And uh, what I want to look at, look at verse seven again with me. I want to look at this. It says, that love always protects. I, so I think in February I'm going to do another relationship series because there's a, there's a lot more here that I'm not able to accomplish in the time that I have for this series. But love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. That's what I want to talk about today is that love always hopes. Would you say that out loud? Love always hopes. There's always hope. There's always hope. That's my title today. There's always hope. Don't get discouraged. There's always hope. See, some relationships, you feel like they're hopeless. Some of your marriages, you feel like, man, it's hopeless. Or there's a family member you haven't spoken to in years. You say, man, this is hopeless. But there is always hope. Because God's love, it says, always hopes. There's always hope. That's why I got up this morning. I got up to tell you that there's always hope. And I'm going to spend the next 45 minutes trying to tell you that there's always hope. But I could just say there's always hope and you could leave. But I want to, I want to dig into this. So before I do, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. We pray that your word is a seed that is planted into our soul 
God, that it grows and we become fruitful men and women of God. We love you, Lord. God, speak to us, encourage us. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen, amen, amen. Let's give our worship team a round of applause. They always do a great job. And uh, Romans 15, 13. I want to read this. Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope, God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow. I love that word. Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, he is the God of hope who gives you peace, he gives you joy, and he gives it to you so much that your life will not have a little bit of hope. It will overflow with hope. Like that's a lot of hope. Overflow with hope. Overflow with hope. That's what I want in my life. I want it to be overflowing so much out of my life that people that are around me, they feel hopeful just because they're around me because the hope of God is just full in my life. He says, the peace and joy. Look at it again. Look at it again. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. You know what I've learned in my own life is that God's peace is not like the world's peace. And God's joy is not like the world's joy. Not not the same. Not even comparable. I used to lead uh, people in this song like 20 years ago. I used to be a worship leader of this little church. And they used to let me sing in church. And, uh, and, and it was called this joy that I found. I, I loved it. And so I thought I'd lead you guys in it today. Would you guys stand to your feet? Come on, we're going to go. We're going to go back 20 years and we're going to sing. Come on, you guys help me out. This joy that I found, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I found, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I found, the world didn't Hold on, okay, okay. So, one, uh, could you give my mic just a little bit of extra oomph because my voice is a little tired? Two, y'all just sitting there staring at me. See, you came from some church that was like a spectator sport, but this church is a participator sport, okay? So, I at least need you to sing and clap, hold on, on the correct beat. Okay, so you're going to clap right here. That's better. Okay, now you're going to help me sing. Ready? Here we go. This joy that I found, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I found, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I found, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it to me.
Before you see to touch somebody and tell them, I love your singing. Come on, tell somebody, I love your singing. I need to get in shape, boy. And now I'm tired. January 1st is coming. I'm going to bring sexy back like nobody's ever seen before. Starting January 1st, but um, starting January 1st. It might only last a couple days, but I'm going for it. I'm going to try. But um, God's joy is not like the world's joy. One of the things I was thinking about is that when you look to your situation, oftentimes it seems hopeless. But when you look at your Savior, it's full of hope. And that's perspective, isn't it? Perspective is... When I'm focused on my situation, I lose hope. But when I focus on my Savior, that's when I'm filled with hope. And that's what I want us to do today is I want us to look at the focusing on our Savior part because he says that love always hopes. Now, what is hope? Hope is this idea that we believe for something to happen, right? I hope for it. I hope it happens. I believe for it. That's hope. But biblical hope, takes it a step farther and it expects it to happen. So I don't just believe that it might happen or that it will happen. I expect it to happen. I have a question today. How many of you came to church today expecting God to do something in your life? Expecting it, not just believing that God can do it, but believing that God is going to do it. That's biblical hope. And that's the hope I want us to look at today because, by the way, every time, every time, somebody say every time, every time you come to church, you ought to come expecting God to do something big in your life. Every time, every time. Man, I got up Sunday morning and I wake up ready. I know that God is going to do something in this service today for me. I know I come expecting. I come believing. I come hoping. I come prayed up and filled up that God is going to do something in my marriage, that he's going to do something in my children, that he's going to do something in my mind, in my mental health, in my emotional health, that God's going to do something in my finances, that God's going to do something in my body, in my physical health. I come expecting. That's what biblical hope is. I believe it. I expect it. I expect it. And so I put my trust in him. And so I want to read this in Hebrews 11, because in Hebrews 11, it talks about faith and it tells us what faith is. It says this faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So I love this, right? It says, I'm confident. This is what faith is. I'm confident in what I'm hoping for. I'm confident it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I know that I know that I know that it's going to happen. Not because I'm going to make it happen, but because I serve a God who is a God who makes things happen. I'm confident in this. I have faith. What is faith? Faith is I don't see it with my eyes. I see it with my mind. I can't physically see it, but I can spiritually see it. It hasn't happened yet, but I can see that it's, I am confident that it's going to happen. And so I have even better vision than my physical vision because I have spiritual vision. 
And so today I want to just throw four points of encouragement at you uh, for those of you that might be feeling hopeless today. And if today you're full of hope, you can file this sermon away because there's a day coming when you might feel hopeless in your life. But I want to dig into this. And so as we do this today, if you have your notes, turn them on. If you don't have your app yet, download it real quick. Go to your app store, type in Impact Church AZ. It's got the outline in it. And if you don't want to do any of that, you can just stare at me. It's okay. But I want to give you four things to encourage you today. Number one, number one is to remember that God is on my side. Remember that God is on my side. God is near. God is near. Did you know that there's never been a moment in your life where God wasn't there? Never. God has always been there. He's always been near you. He's been in that situation. He's been in that relationship. He was in that hospital room. He was there. He has always been there. One of my favorite verses in Psalm is the words of David in chapter 34, verse 8. He says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. He is near. He is near. If your heart is broken today, if your heart is aching today, this is good news. God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I also love what David says in Psalm 52. I want to read this verse in verse 9 because he says, and I will hope in your name for your name is good. I will hope in your name God for your name is good. Now I think the Old Testament is so interesting to me because I love to study the different names of God. You know, when the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and there's all these names of God. In fact, in Old Testament times, names in general just meant a lot more than they do today for us. Like when parents would name their children in the Old Testament, they had a lot of significance to their names. The meaning of the names were descriptions of the characteristics of the child. Often these children wouldn't be named at birth. They would wait a little while. Let's see what this child is like. Let's name them off the characteristics of who they are, right? Today we just name things because they sound cool. Like there's a dude who plays football in Alabama. His name's Kool-Aid. Legit. It's his name, Kool-Aid. Like it doesn't get any cooler than that. Kool-Aid, man. We name people names just because either they sound cool or they're popular. Some of you that are expecting today, you've already been on Google, top 100 names, most popular 100 names in 2021. And for boys, it's Liam, L-I-A-M. Of course it's Liam, right? Popular name. I'll name my boy Liam. Has no significance at all. It's just a cool, popular name, right? That's why there's so many Beckys on the planet. Becky, 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 because it was really popular at one point. Tom, sorry if your name's Tom or Becky. But in Old Testament times, they attached their names with a description. Like, for example, the name Joshua. Does anybody in here have the name Joshua? Anybody? Joshua? You're not Joshua, are you? No, I'm just kidding, Josh. You're doctor. You're not Josh. You're Dr. Cadwell. But I, Josh, okay, so Josh, does anybody know Joshua in Hebrew? Joshua in Hebrew? You know what the Hebrew word for Joshua is? Yeshua. Yeshua, say it. Yeshua. 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 Boom. Yeshua. You know what Yeshua means? My deliverer. 
my deliverer. So in Hebrew, so we say Joshua. In Hebrew, they say Yeshua, right? You know what Yeshua is in Greek? Which is what the New Testament was written in. Jesus. So Yeshua is, is, is Hebrew. Jesus is Greek. What does Yeshua mean? My deliverer. What did Joshua do in the Old Testament? He delivered the Israelites into the promised land. What did Jesus do in the New Testament? He delivered all of us from the penalty of sin because of the cross at Calvary and paying the price for your sin and my sin. So what I'm trying to say is that names in the Bible, names in the Old Testament were significant. The names of God were significant. He would use his Hebrew names to describe himself to the Israelites. For example, we say Jehovah Jireh, which we know means God is my provider. We would say Jehovah Shalom, that God is my peace, or Jehovah Shama, which means that I am always with you, right? Descriptors of who he is, his characteristics to us, God is always there. That's what we're talking about today is that God is always there. He's with me. He's with you. And listen, not only is God with you, listen, he is for you. And if he is for you, there is nothing this world can do that is going to harm you. He's with you in your marriage. He's with you in your relationship. He's with you in your family. He's with you in your mind, in your emotions. God is with you. For some of you, listen, for some of you, this is all you need today is to know this in the depths of your soul that God is with you. God is with you. And he's always been with you. The Bible says in Isaiah 41 verse 10, he says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. In Psalm 56, David again, he says this, he says, God, you know how troubled I am. You know how troubled I am. You've kept a record of my tears. Aren't they listed in your book? He says, the day I call on you, my enemies will be turned back. I know this, that God is on my side. The Lord whose promises I praise, in him I trust and I will not be afraid. In him I trust and I will not be afraid. Say it with me. In him I trust and I will not be afraid. One more time. In him I trust. And I will not be afraid. See, this is important to understand that we put our trust in him. And we don't put our trust in earthly things. Because oftentimes, like David, we're troubled. And we try to fix our trouble with the wrong resources. With the wrong resources. So I'm in trouble, so I'll just drink away my troubles. That doesn't work. I'm in trouble, so I'll just numb away my 
emotions because I, I can't deal with this. And so I, I, I drug it away. It could be prescription drugs. It could be illegal use of drugs. It could be anything. I'm just going to make this go away. But that doesn't work. I'm discontent, so I'll just go shopping and I'll shop my problems away, which that doesn't work. My heart is broken. My heart is broken, so I got an idea. I'm going to get into a really bad relationship. I'm lonely. I got an idea. I'm lonely, so I'm going to get into a really bad relationship. Make it make sense, people, to me. Let me tell you something that will change your life. You can't fix something that's broken with something else that's broken. You can't fix what's broken with something that's broken. Only God can fix our brokenness. That's why Jeremiah says that God is the potter and we are the clay. I started thinking about this. You can't fix broken things with broken things. You can't fix broken things with broken things. We try to, but you can't fix broken things with broken things. So I have this little wall that I was thinking like, pretend this is a home in my, this is a wall in my home, right? And so I got to get ready. How many of you are handy? Raise your hand. If you're handy, you're handy. You're handy. Put your handy up <laughs> if you're handy. Okay. How many of you are not handy? Raise your hands. Okay. I'm with you. My, there'll be the simplest thing at my house and my wife will be like, can you just call somebody? Because you're just going to make it. I'm going to make it worse. She's right. I'm going to probably make it worse. Like, I don't know if you've ever done this. I said, you know what? Our house needs to be touched up with paint. I'll do it. And then I go through and I touch the whole house up with paint. And then we have a paint job that looks like a freckled paint job because the paint didn't match exactly. Even though it should have matched exactly, it didn't match exactly, right? And so my wife is like, please just call somebody. Please don't do it yourself. And, and so I was thinking about this because I've done this a lot in my life. I, I'm going to put this on. Here, put this on me, Mr. Tommy. Tom, here. Here. I got, I got a tool belt. I got a tool belt. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not handy yet. Hold on. Hold on. I got a... I got to get my hard hat on. This is if I'm going to do anything in my house, I'm for real. I'm not playing. Okay. And then last week, this is weird because, or two weeks ago. So let's pretend I'm going to hang this picture in my house. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Sam, Sam was sitting right. I borrowed Sam's glasses from the front row. He was sitting right where you are. I know you're not Sam, but this Sam was sitting right there. And I borrowed his glasses. And I was making a point that, I was making a point that if you could see in the spirit realm, you could see spiritual warfare. Does it, who is here for that? Raise your hand. Who is here for that? Who is not here for that? Okay, so, so, so this is what I did. I put these glasses on, and, and Sam is so flashy that my staff decided, oh, PT looks exactly like Elton John. And to be quite honest, that's pretty similar. And so they... They framed this picture for me, so I'm going to hang this picture, okay? So I'm going to hang this picture on my wall in my house. I got my tool belt. I looked apart. I do look the part, do I not? I looked apart. I looked apart. And so this is what we do is to say, you know what? I want to hang this picture, but before I do, I got to get my tools, okay? And here are, here are my tools, okay? I got a screw. Put that in my pocket. Try not to fall off the stage. It's the wrong screw, Tom. Don't tell me no, it's not. Boy. Give me a second. 
Here's the screw. Here's the screw. Okay. So, so, so I want to hang this picture, and, and I, and I, and I want to screw this screw into the wall, right? Here's, here's the problem I'm having with this screw. Have you ever tried to deal with a stripped-out screw? Right? It's stripped out. So this one's stripped out. I don't know if y'all can see this, if you can zoom in tight enough. Here, maybe, maybe this shot right here. Can you see this? Just trust me. It's stripped out. It's stripped out. Okay, so what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to try to screw this into the wall. And the other problem is, is that I have a broken drill bit. Okay, so this is what we do. We say, you know what? I'm going to drill this thing in, and it, and it, and it, wasn't, it won't drill. It won't drill because it just keeps. Hold on. Because this is a lot of y'all right now. It is. It's a lot of y'all. You're screwed up. It's a lot of y'all. You got a loose screw. A lot of y'all screwing around when you shouldn't be screwing around. A lot of y'all screwing outside of marriage. You shouldn't be doing that either. And so the screw's broken. The drill bit's broken. And I can't fix it. Because I'm trying to fix something that's broken with something that's broken. And so, where's all my tools, man? This is what we do, right? I got some tools in here. Yeah, I carry a Barbie around just because, 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 you know, we're like, we're like, you know what? I'm lonely. So, celebrate recovery. I'm lonely, and so I need to find me a woman. But every human on earth is broken, so getting into a bad relationship doesn't work. What else I got in my toolbox? I know, that's what we do. We just kick them to the curb. We're done with them. And so I say, you know what? I'll buy myself a nice car. Because this is what we do. We're like, we're like man, I, I feel so like something is not there. And so I need to buy something. Don't act like you guys don't do this. Some of y'all, you're like, I need something. I'm depressed. I'm down. I'm just, I'll buy something. I'll shop. And that's why we have a saying called buyer's remorse. Because then you buy it and then you still feel bad. Because you can't fix broken things with broken things. So we don't want to throw the car on the ground, though. Only the human. What else we got in here? Got anything else in here? Is that all I got? Thought I had some fun gadgets in here. Got something over here? Doritos? Want them? Okay. That'll fix you. Oh, we got some money. Money's money. This is what we do. We try to fix broken things. Oh, I got my flat. Some of you are alcoholics. No, hold on now. This is a communion cup. This says fiesta like there's no manana. So this is the thing. It's like, you know how many times. So, so if you've got a problem and you're in trouble and you go. I happen to be the preacher that's lived life outside of preaching. I happen to have had a few of these a hundred times more and I happen to know the end results. 
And what happens when you turn to alcohol? This is why the Bible talks so much. It talks about, by the way, the Bible talks about alcohol. Do you guys know that? The Bible talks about alcohol. It says don't drink to get drunk. Here's the challenge is what is drunk? Blacked out. Tipsy. Throwing up. What is drunk? See, you can't really define it. I can't really define it. But what God is wanting us is to, it says to be of sober mind. In fact, one scripture in Ephesians, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you want alcohol to control your life? Or do you want God and the power of the Holy Spirit to control your life? See, that's the difference in how we approach life. Do I go to something that's broken to fix something that's broken? Or do I go to something that's perfect and whole that can actually heal my heart? To heal my heart. I'm going to preach like this the rest of the sermon. Maybe. Maybe. But Jeremiah says that God is the potter and we are the clay. That's a powerful illustration. That God can mold me and make me and shape me if we let him. Sometimes he has to break us. Because we've built this clay pot. That isn't working out in our lives. And it doesn't resemble anything that God wants us to be. He wants better for us. Sometimes he has to kind of crush us down and start over. It's not the most joyful moment in life. But it's kind of like when you go work out at the gym. When you break down your muscles. That's when they start being able to be built back up. When you break them down. See, some people think when you go get the pump, that's what builds the muscles. That's just the blood in the muscles. The pump is the blood in the muscles. But when you break those muscles down and the fibers in those muscles, now they can be rebuilt back stronger. That's what God wants to do in you. He wants to make you stronger. He wants you to turn to him as the source. He wants you to turn to him as your one and only resource. What am I saying, Pastor Trav? You're saying I can't drink PT? Man, what a killjoy. This church sucks. It might suck, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm not here to be a killjoy. I'm here to give you the real joy. I'm here to give you the truth of what Jesus says in his word. I'm here to tell you what will set you free. Okay, let's look at number two. I want you to remember this. If you're going through hopelessness, is that God sees your situation. God sees you. God sees you. He sees you. He sees everything about you. He knows about your relationship. He knows about your situation. He knows about your struggle. He knows about your mental health. He knows the words that were said. He knows the thoughts that were thought. He knows every detail. In fact, he knows every detail before the detail became a detail. God sees you. He sees everything. Nothing is hidden from his sight. And that's a good thing. Okay, Psalm 31 and verse 7, David said, I will be glad and rejoice in your what? Unfailing love, unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles and you care about the anguish of my soul. Unfailing love, say it out loud, unfailing love, say it a little louder, unfailing love, because that is what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, love never fails. Love never fails. God's unfailing love, it will never fail us because God is love. God is love. That's what it says in 1 John. God is 
love. So you can take your troubles. He said, take my anguish. You care about my anguish. Nobody else might seem like they see what's going on. Your wife, your husband may not even know the struggle that you're having within, but God knows. God knows. God knows about it, and we can give our care to him. Listen, I want to hit you with a knockout. Can I hit you with a knockout punch right now? Because some, listen, have you ever thought about the word atheist? Because here's the idea of an atheist. An atheist, I'm going to keep trampling all over this girl. It's Barbie abuse, but it would have been pastor abuse if I didn't move her out of my way. I would have fell. Okay, it's interesting to me because the word atheist means to live like there's no God. Okay, to live like there's no God. Here's the knockout punch. The knockout punch is this. Some Christians are Christian atheists because they're living their life like there's no God. They live their life like there's no hope. They live their life like they've given up on the power of prayer. They live their life like they've given up on the power of God or given up on God's supernatural abilities. They're trying to figure out life on their own and solve all of life's problems on their own. And instead of turning to God, they turn to the world. Instead of turning to the one who can fix me, I keep turning to something and someone who continues to break me. Christian atheism. And you say, well, that's not an atheist. I believe in Jesus. You know what it says in the book of James? It says, even the demons believe and tremble. See, what I've learned is this, is if you want God to do the impossible, how many want God to do the impossible in your life? How many you want, come on, you really want God to do the supernatural and the impossible in your life? If you want God to do the impossible in your life, then you need to put God on the throne of your life. If you want God to do the supernatural in your life, then you need to step out of the natural and watch God do the supernatural. Because oftentimes we stay in the natural and we're like, well, God's not doing the supernatural. And God won't do the supernatural while you stay in the natural. He's going to ask you to step out of the boat of the natural, just like he did Peter, so that you can experience the supernatural. But if you want to stay in the safety of the boat, if you want to stay in the security of the boat, if you want to stay in the comfort and the familiarity of the boat, you will never experience the supernatural, miraculous power of God. You have got to step out of the boat of the natural. You have got to step out of the possible and into the impossible. Let's look at number three. You want Jesus to do king-type stuff? I wanted to say it so bad. King-type. Should I just say it? No, I shouldn't say it. Y'all got your phones ready for that moment. My pastor's going to swear. She's leaving. She's all offended by it. Just the thought of it. I'm out of here. You want Jesus to do king stuff, you got to make him the royalty of your life. 
Okay, number three. Is just remember this, that God is always on time. He is. He's always on time. I, I appreciate the two amens. I do. I, God is always on time. See, I know some of you are... Thank you. God is always on time. Anybody besides me hate waiting? Like, really, you genuinely hate waiting. Raise your hand. Like, you just... you you. Who, who struggles with patience? Raise your hand. So one of the gifts of the Spirit in Galatians 5, it's hard to wear this like the gangster I am, but I'm going to keep trying. One of the fruits of the Spirit is patience, right? It says that in Galatians 5.22, patience. I, if, if, if I could list my top five weaknesses, number one is patience. Number one, for sure. I can't tell you the other four, not today. No, that's for another day. Patience is number one. I'm in, I don't like to wait on anything. I hate going to the doctor. For those of you that are doctors, can I, can I have a moment? Because I know you're great and all, but you're great at what you do. But you got to figure out this office thing. Because my appointment's at 11... I get there early because I don't, I don't want to wait, you waiting on me. So I get there early. Now it's 11. My appointment clearly was not at 11 like I was told because now I'm still sitting in the waiting room. And then I'm sitting there longer and longer. And then what they do is, then they go, Travis? And I was like, yes, that's me. I'm so happy now. And then they stick me in another room. And they close the door. The doctor will be right with you. Sure he will, lady. Sure. He ain't coming, is he, for a while. I know he ain't coming. For, I've been down this road a few hundred times. Don't tell me the doctor will be right in. He ain't coming for like 20, 30 minutes. She'll be in here in an hour. Right? I hate waiting. Like, just leave me out in the main room. Like, I'm claustrophobic to it. I don't want to be in a little 8 by 8 room waiting. Can I just stay out in the open? Where there's some air to breathe, right? I hate waiting. I hate waiting on packages. I'd rather overpay for something and go get it. Because I hate waiting, right? I hate it. I hate waiting. And the worst thing, the worst thing, the worst thing, the absolute number one worst thing in my life is I don't like to wait on God. Because when I need God, when you need God, you need God. Right? Like, it's like, God, I'm praying for a miracle. Four years from now would be great. No. I'm like, God, I need a miracle yesterday. God, I need you to do the impossible. By the way, last month, God, I need you to do. I need you to move this mountain. And I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait on anything. I don't like to wait on my cryptocurrencies to multiply so I could become a billionaire. I don't like to wait. By the way, if I become a billionaire, I'm going to single-handedly build an impact church arena. I'm not even joking about it. So you guys can help me with that. I don't like to wait on people. Do you? My staff will tell you that if I send a text, I want an answer now. I I don't want to wait three hours. 
I said, well, I was out there. I don't care what you were doing. This is the freaking United States of America. It's 2021. I'll buy you an iWatch. I want to be answered right now. Everything for me is right. I told you last week I have ADHD. We live in two time zones, now and not now. And when I text you now, I need an answer right now. Right? <laughs> so I hate waiting. But waiting is part of life. And it's healthy for us to wait. I want to read you in Isaiah what it says in chapter 55. Look at the word of God here in verses 8 and 9. Maybe you remember these verses, but he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Okay, God's thoughts are not your thoughts. There are some prayers that you've prayed for God to answer to go your way that God knows if he answered that prayer the way you wanted it answered, it would destroy you. His ways are not your ways. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher He has all of eternity in perspective. We live right here. I was thinking about something my daughter said. She just turned 21. And uh, she plays college basketball. And she was having a a mental struggle the other day in the game. And she said she was sitting on the bench. And she she was just kind of struggling. It was stressful. And then she said this statement. She said, I zoomed out. I was praying and I like zoomed out like I was like I was zooming out above and I got way up, you know, high. And then I started thinking like, this is really not that big of a deal. Like from God's perspective, we're like running around frantically chasing a basketball, trying to get it in the hoop. Like it's not that big of a deal. It's a game. See, as humans, we make things big deals that aren't big deals. As humans, we make people important that aren't important. And so we need to keep God's perspective in mind. And God's timing is perfect. It's perfect. His timing is impeccable. He is always on time. God wants to teach you two things, just like he wants to teach me when you're waiting on something. Because some of you, you're in the waiting room today of life. You're waiting on God. God is trying to teach you two things. He's trying to teach you patience, and he's trying to teach you trust. Trust. See, I need to trust that God knows best. I need to trust that his timing is better than my timing. And by the way, I want to just tell you two things. When you're waiting on God, two things when you're waiting on God. Okay, number one is God is working in you while you're waiting on him. Number two, a lot of times you think you're waiting on God. In reality, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to grow and to develop. Anybody remember the old Polaroid cameras? Who remembers? Not the ones they make today, the real ones from the back in the day. Remember that was our selfie? Kids don't know that today. They're like with a phone. They think like, yeah, when I was back in the day, you had to turn this Polaroid around and you had to snap that thing. And then you, it printed. I, can I have this? I got a camera. I got a Polaroid right here. This is a modernized one. This was built in 2021, I'm sure. But this Polaroid is a cool idea because, and now they're like coming back around. 
because everything that used to be in comes back around. And then the kids think they're all cool and like original. You're like, um, <laughs> no, we actually created that. And so the, the Polaroid, I'm going to take a picture of somebody. I just don't know who yet. I don't want to break the camera, so I got to be very <laughs> particular about that. You know, there's no way in all of heaven or all of Satan's hell I'd take a picture of you in the Green Bay Packers stuff. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Are you guys together? Can you be together for a picture? Do you know each other? This is awkward. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I am going to take a picture of you guys. I might have to take a picture of this whole section, okay? Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, it's the wrong button. Hold on. It's this red button. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Okay, here's what we're going to do. You're clapping because I hit the button. You have no faith in me. Here's what we're going to do. Oh. Well, now I see why you have no faith in me. I have no idea what I'm... So who knows what this one's going to be of. Well, I'm going to let these develop. You tell me when this is developed, okay? Just interrupt me, unless I'm really getting after it, okay? So this is the interesting thing about these Polaroids is that you take them and they don't look like anything at first. You got to wait on them. You got to wait on them to develop, right? And the same is true in our lives. Like we've got we've to wait so that God can develop us. We got to go through a season of patience, so that God can work on us, so that he can develop us, so that he can make us more like him. I, I want to read you what it says in James chapter 1. You might know these scriptures, but it says this, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. If anybody's in a trial today, you're going through some stuff today, this verse is for you. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So he's saying the weight is what develops you. The trial, the waiting in the trial, it's what develops you. You know why? Because when you're going through hell, you seem to cling to heaven like you didn't ever before. When you're going through the valley, when you're going through hardship, trials, pain, storms, struggles, that's when we seem to turn and go, God, I need you. And so it's the trials. We have to count it all joy because of the trial. You know, it's like, like God, I'm so thankful that um, my wife cheated on me. Yay. I was hoping that would happen, right? No, that's not what he's saying. God, I'm so thankful that my loved one passed away. Woo. Some of you would be like, yes, finally. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying that you count it all joy. When you go through these trials, the joy isn't about the trial. The joy is about the result that the trial is going to produce in your life. Maturity, spiritual maturity. See, God cares more about your holiness than he does your happiness. God wants you to become more like him. And so 
It develops you. It grows you. Is that picture done yet? Is it going to take all day till Jesus comes? It's going to take till Jesus comes. Yeah, I can't see anything yet. But it develops you. By the way, every fruitful harvest goes through a season of waiting. Right? You can't be a farmer without incredible patience. I couldn't be a farmer. Like sprinkle some seed. I'll come back in a few months. That's not going to work for me. I need you to grow now. Right? But every farmer's got to have incredible patience. Like you plant and you wait. You plant and you wait. And by the way, you're not just waiting around, sitting around, doing nothing. You're doing some work. You're preparing. God's preparing you, and you're preparing yourself. When a, har- har- when a farmer plants a seed before the harvest, he's not just waiting. He's watering. He's cultivating. He's weeding. He's fertilizing. Listen, for some of you, the one thing that is keeping you out of the ridiculous blessings and favor of God in your life is that you have allowed some weeds to grow around you. You know what weeds do? Weeds steal the nutrients that the plant needs to become healthy. We have rose bushes in our front yard, and we wait for those rose bushes to bloom, and, and, and every, every spring, every spring, I mean, these weeds shoot up. And weeds don't play. They ain't here to grow at the pace of a plant. They're here to steal all they can steal, and they're going to outgrow that plant. They're going to become the owner of that plant. They're going to steal all of its nutrients and starve the plant out of the nutrients it needs to grow healthy. They're going to steal them, and they're going to grow bigger than the plant itself. See, that's a lot of us today. Some of us. The weeds in your life have grown so big that they've taken over your life. Some of the weeds have grown so big and so strong because you haven't been paying attention. You haven't been cultivating. You haven't been taking the weeds out. Listen, you could try to chop the weed. You know what happens when you ignore a weed? Have you ever seen a weed so big? Like in Arizona, these things get crazy. I've seen weeds like this tall that, that it took them like a month. Right? And you're like, well, it's there. I'll pull it next week. Pull it next week. And what happens is it just becomes so out of control. See, that's the problem with a lot of us is we ignore it for a while. Like it's not that big of a deal. And it becomes so out of control in our life that it consumes us. See, sometimes you think you're waiting on God, but he's actually waiting on you. You're not ready for the blessings that God has for you yet. You're not ready yet. You're not responsible enough yet. You're not mature enough yet. You're not grown up enough yet. You've got too many weeds. For some of you, it's certain people in your life. They're the weeds that are stealing the spiritual nutrients in your life. And they're snaking them away from your spiritual growth. The most spiritual thing you could do is get that weed by the root and uproot it and allow God to plant his nutrients into your life so that you can grow spiritually the way God wants you to grow. Some of the people in your life, you wonder why you never have joy. You wonder why you never have peace. Look around at the people in your life. Sometimes they're weeds and you got to pull the weeds. Look at somebody and tell them it's time to pull the weeds. It's time to pull the weeds. It's time to pull the weeds. 
I want to give you number four. I have so much. I actually have a lot more in point three, but I'm running out of time. And what's really unfortunate, it's the best part of the whole sermon. It really is. So I'm going to plug it in next week. You can't wait, can you? The, pa- the impatience is thick up in here. can almost see it. But I, I don't have time. We have another service that's starting in a few minutes. And, and by the way, next week, listen to this. Next week is our one-year anniversary in this building. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. And for those of you that you don't know this, um, we moved in this thinking that it would take many, many years to grow into this building. Um, we started with two services, and now we have three. And, uh, and this is Thanksgiving week, which is always a low-attended week. So if this is your first time, this is a very low attendance compared to normal. So we have three services. Guess what I don't want to do? Ever. I never want to preach the third service. I mean it, ever. I go to the back, and I'm like, we have one more. And then I'm like, Lord, see me through. I'm serious, I do. I don't want to preach three. So I've been thinking about, like, and praying about, God, what can we do to just get to two? I need to do two services. Imagine trying to do what I'm doing three times in a row with the same energy, the same emotion, the same anointing, the same everything, so that I didn't do one differently than I did the others. I want to do them all the same. It's a lot easier if I had two. So be praying about that. A lot of prayer. You know what I've learned about prayer is that God speaks to you when you pray and he answers your prayer. So like I have this vision to build risers in the back with theater seating that would seat like an extra 500 seats. I think we're going to do it. And, and I feel like it was from God. But the thing about it is when I know that I know that I know I've heard from the Lord, I'm still only like 51% sure it was from God. You know what I'm saying? It could have been like the pizza or something from last night. But I'm like, I think that was the Lord. Then we would, then you say, well, well, what about parking? You Because th- you think I'm an idiot. So, like, I haven't thought about that. Because here's the thing about parking. Because we, we do three so fast, we don't have enough time in between them to get people out and then the next group in. But if we had two services that were more spaced out, we would have more time to get people out and more time to get people in if we had theater seating along the back. That's the temporary plan. The long-term plan is Impact Arena. That's the long-term plan. It's not a joke. It really is. And so the bad news is we just need about $100 million to do that. The good news is it's all in your bank account, so I think we can get it done. So, And my... Bitcoin and XRP is going to blow up, so we're in good shape. We're in good hands, but um, but let, let's let's move on to number four. Let's move on to number four because this is an important one. Is if you're feeling hopeless, is just simply to remember this: that when I am weak, He is strong. You guys know how strong God is, how powerful, how powerful God is. See, you might be feeling helpless, but you're never hopeless, ever. Because God is a God of hope. And so when you're weak, he is strong. Listen, instead of focusing on my weaknesses, I'm going to focus on God's strength. Instead of focusing on my problems, I'm going to focus on God's promises. 
Instead of focusing on my problems, I'm going to focus on God's power. It's all about perspective. It's all about faith. It's all about hope. It's all about what has your focus. I love what Romans 4.18 says about Abraham. It says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he could not do, but on what God said he would do. See, whatever it is that you're hoping for, like Abraham, he believed anyway. He believed anyway. I said this last week, and I want to say it again, that God's power kicks in when yours ends. God's power takes over when yours comes to an end. God's power starts when your power stops. If you want to try to do everything on your own, you will never experience the power of God. God's power begins when your power ends. God will do your impossible, but not your possible because he doesn't need to. It's already humanly possible. But if you want God to move in such a way that you experience, I don't know if you guys are feeling me today, but the supernatural power of God, you have to understand that when you're in your weakest moment, that's when God can show out the most. This is the way Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. He said, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distress, in persecutions, in difficulties. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So I want you guys just to bow your heads with me. Close your eyes as we close in prayer today. But if if you're feeling weak today, if you're feeling if you're feeling weak or hopeless or you're feeling broken today, I want you to know that you're exactly where God wants you. You're right where he needs you to be. Because he is with you. He is for you. He sees everything that's going on. And he is all powerful. And we can put our trust in him. Maybe you're here today and you've never stepping out of the natural to say, Jesus, today I want to become a Christian. Well, today I want to invite you to do that right now and just pray and say, Father, today I give you my life. I surrender it to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for unconditional love. Maybe you're here today and your situation has just been seeming more and more hopeless. I just want to remind you that there's always hope. Never give up. Never quit. Don't get discouraged because there's always hope. Father, I thank you for everybody that's joined us today. And I pray your love and your blessing and your favor just to shower down upon each of their lives, their families, their children and their children's children. God, that we can live a life walking in the favor and the power of God. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. We all say.
Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.